Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Crops is nearing completion of a document that highlights the sustainable practices used on Canadian farms. The goal is to develop a tool that can be used to convey these messages around sustainability and quality to domestic and international buyers, as well as the public and government. Jason Lenz is the CRSC chair and a farmer from Alberta. He says the first attempt included seven modules. That's been reduced to four, with the draft outlining key messages and practices under each of the categories. The Canadian Cattle Association is looking for its next crop of individuals for the Young Leaders Program. Jessica Radu is the CCA's Youth Leadership Coordinator. She says the overall objective is to use the program as a built-in industry succession planning tool that's designed for 18 to 35-year-olds with an interest in any aspect of the cattle industry. After the break, Jason Lenz. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Uh, Jason, maybe let's start with a little bit of background on this voluntary code of practice for grain production. Uh, Maybe explain what the goal was and uh, when all of this got started. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, got started for a while now, and the, the development of a, a tool such as uh, a code of practice started about three years ago. Now, um, it was actually came came out of uh, some conversations had by the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Crops, and um, the view from the industry and from farm organizations that um, with uh, with sustain the the talk of more sustainability on the horizon, that the grains industry need to have something in place um, to describe what crop sustainability looks like uh, here in Canada. So um, it's uh, it's been in work for a while, uh, a little bit longer than we expected for sure, but um, at the CRC we really wanted to make sure we um, we're very, very transparent with farmers and farm groups across Canada on the need for it and making sure that they had their say in what they what their expectations were for this tool um, because it is very front-facing um, for farmers. And um, we have taken a tremendous amount of time to give an opportunity for farmers to have their say on uh, both the content and the overall tone of uh, this uh, this this uh, tool. It, it, we're calling it a tool right now. We, we're very getting very close to having an actual name for it, but um, um, definitely want to thank all the farmers that have participated in the numerous consultations we've had up to date. Now, in saying that, I, I think there was a lot of concerns expressed by farmers for for this, um, this code uh, to the point where it, uh, I guess, maybe forced your committee to kind of go back to the drawing board and start again? Is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that, that's very fair. And, and where we started with this, um, we, we started with a blank sheet, really, because nothing like this has ever been done for the cropping industry in Canada. Um, we had looked at what uh, the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef had done, and they did a great job on their um, 
on their tool of on their sustainability tools. So, um, our first draft, we tried to cover all the bases, and um, we we had a lot of expertise from within the CRSC steering committee helping us with all the practices that were. Um, included in that first draft and and definitely had farmers around the table for that um, but what we learned um, afterwards is we tr- we probably did too good a job covering all the bases uh, um, trying to include everything and and i think what we really ran into is that canada is such a large country um, there's different farming practices happening um, even within provinces, let alone across the country, and and there's a whole a whole bunch of regulations that each province has that are a little bit different from each other in most cases. So that first draft it got long, um, it got pretty prescriptive, and um, and the other thing farmers told us was that it didn't have the right tone to it. It wasn't wasn't the positive storytelling tool that they expected it to be. So from there. Um, the CRC took a step back and realized that we had missed missed a step in the, this whole process, and we needed to come up with um, uh, a way of telling farmers the reasons why that the grain industry and, and some of our for, farm organizations seen the need to uh, to have a tool like this. So there was a white paper created um, just about two years ago now, I guess it was, and that white paper was really what ended up being called kind of the the why document here's the reasons why uh, we feel this is needed and from that point forward once we had consulted with farmers and farm groups on that there's been uh, like a full 180 flip on acceptance and and appreciation for the need of of a tool like this um, to help farmers and and our farm organizations and and uh, grain exporters um, uh, to help us maintain the, the markets that we have and, and even to grow the markets that we have. Um, and then, you know, the other side, kind of the other pillar of this is, is also uh, the, the public trust pillar. And when consumers ask about how grain is growing in Canada, uh, grains and oil seeds and pulses for that matter, um, we have something that we can be proud of and say that, well, here, Here's th- this is going to answer a lot of your questions, um, and uh, we we've never had that before. Farmers have done a really good job about talking amongst ourselves about how we feel we're being sustainable, and and we definitely have proof of that. But nothing that we can use collectively as an industry. Jason, could you just outline, um, from what I understand, there were seven. You kind of started with seven modules. You moved to four. So what are the 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 focus of those four modules? Yeah, so um, part of the redraft was really to um, be a little bit more succinct in in the development of what this uh, tool is going to look like. So uh, we were told by farmers through the consultations that it was too prescriptive and and the seven modules that we had, we needed to shorten it down and and focus on the real important ones and, and, uh, you know, focus on what the real pillars of sustainability are and uh, in, in particular, in, on the environmental side. So, the four that we landed on on are nutrient and soil management, uh, seed varieties, and crop health. The third module is on water and biodiversity, and the fourth is on health and wellness. So, 
we feel that um, through this redraft and, and the consultations we've done with farmers on each of these individually, we've really added, um, you know, the content that farmers expect. Um, we've really done a good job in changing, changing the tone of the document and in describing here's what sustainability looks like in uh, the cropping industry in Canada. And, um, you know, we, we feel we're at the point where we've, put quite a bit of polish on this already and and um we're, we're only uh, one or two consultations away from from what we feel will likely be the finish line um on the actual redrafting of this this uh tool so uh once again have to thank everyone that's uh, helped us along the way and uh providing feedback and and um and we feel we've been pretty flexible and transparent on uh, getting this uh, developed on behalf of farmers. Jason, you've mentioned, uh, you know, a few consultations away. Do you have any idea, uh, projected timeline, when you might have a final document complete? Yeah, we're, um, we haven't set that actual timeline yet for the final, uh, the final document to be published. We're still... You know, we're at the, the, the near end of this uh, redraft of the code, and we do have uh, one more consultation lined up with the general farming public, and that's happening next Thursday, March 30th. And then from there, um, our CRSC steering committee and our overall CRSC membership, which uh, is fairly broad, um, including farm groups and, and industry uh, organizations. We're we're meeting in the middle of April in Winnipeg to uh, to kind of devise the next steps, and that certainly includes the timeline for the release of um, of this tool. And uh, and the one thing that we haven't decided because we've continued to gather names and ideas for the namings of this, but um, we will be putting a name to this document that uh, is representative of what it's all about. I guess finally, Jason, when uh, when you talk to farmers uh, about this um, this document that's being put together, and they ask the question, "How does a farmer benefit from this?" What what would your answer be? That's a great question, Alice, and we get that we get that question. Uh, we've had it all along, and um, what we've told farmers is that th- this document and the work that's been put into this is not going to provide you with any sort of premium to the green that you're selling uh, today or tomorrow. But what it is, it's, it's farmers doing their part in developing a tool like this. So the, the farm groups and national organizations that represent us um, in selling our grain and marketing our grain, and that includes the grain exporters, in fact, um, they've been quite active in helping us get this developed. Um, it's really going to, it's meant to be a, a market development tool to help us maintain the markets that we currently have. And those are markets all around the world with all the different commodities that we grow and the potential to even uh, grow those markets because we know from trade missions that have happened over the last number of years. And, and I, was, I, I was fortunate just to go on one this last January into Nigeria, um, Dubai and Singapore. And the reason that farmers are on those those trade missions is to tell those companies that you visit how is Canada growing these high quality crops because we all know and we've we've known for a number of years now that Canadian wheat and canola and pulses and barley 
and other crops, they're of the highest quality in the world and they're sought after because of their high quality. But um, our markets and, and those milling companies and crushing companies, they need that explained to them as is why and how Canada is producing the, um, these high high quality crops. So we have a really easy answer for them. We know it's based on the environment and the growing seasons that we have here in Canada. We know a big part of it is the the beneficial management practices that we do on our farms, um, you know, and, and part of that is part of protecting the environment and, and that. And um, the, the third one is, is really uh, one of the most important, and, and that's the genetics that we're using um, to grow these crops or, or ge- genetics that are in these crops. And um, um, those, those genetics, those traits that we have in wheat and canola, for example, they help. They help us with resiliency to, um, you know, resiliency for climate change and for pests and insects and 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 all that. So we have to explain that to our customers and consumers, and uh, we feel that this tool is really going to uh, be beneficial to be able to show and and demonstrate to all of those uh, markets. You need to explain it, and you need to back it up, right? <laughs> But this is really kind of the backup document, yes. And like I mentioned earlier, um, we've talked about it lots, but um, because sustainability is, is um, you know, being highlighted so much now and it continues to be, we're trying to do our part to keep Canada in the lead on, um, you know, the proof of our sustainability and show how it's done in Canada. Well, Jason, uh, lots of work yet to do, so best of luck to you and your committee. Yeah, thanks a lot, and, and thanks for the opportunity today to talk to you. And once again, want to give a, a huge thanks to all all those that um, have been along along the way with us in getting this tool developed. Jason Lenz is the chair of the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Crops. After the break, Jessica Radu, the Youth Leadership Coordinator for the Canadian Cattle Association, talks about their leadership program. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Jessica Rado is the Canadian Cattle Association Youth Leadership Coordinator. And uh, we're going to be talking about the Canadian Cattle Young Leaders Program. Still accepting some applications uh, just for another week or so. But uh, Jessica, first of all, uh, tell us about what the objective is for this program and how you uh, you want it to be used to build uh, industry succession planning. The Canadian Cattle Young Leaders Program was established by the Canadian Cattle Association back in 2010. And it's designed for young people ages 18 to 35, with an overall objective being how do we use this program as a built-in industry succession planning tool where we're taking young and -and up-and-coming leaders, in the industry and pairing them with a mentor and different opportunities for travel and networking to give them the tools and skills that they need to continue to drive the growth of the Canadian beef industry for years to come. Uh, So since it was established in 2010, we've seen over 170 graduates come through that program that we're really proud of. And we're at that exciting time of year again where we're looking for our next crop of participants for the program. 
that's quite an impressive number. Well over 100 people going through this program, uh, just really showing how popular it is. Could you run through how the program works so someone who might be interested in participating has a sense of what will be happening? So from the beginning process, it starts with an application that can be submitted on our website at CanadianCattleYoungLeaders.ca and it goes through some questions, um, you know, of what you're involved with in the beef industry, you know, what your future goals are. Overall, just kind of a neat exercise to get all of your goals down on one piece of paper and, and have a path forward. But we collect those applications. They're then judged by some of our CCA directors past participant of the program as well and then they're narrowed down to 24 semi-finalists every year and those 24 semi-finalists are invited to the Canadian Beef Industry Conference coming up here in August in Calgary uh, to compete for 116 spots in the upcoming program year that we call our CYL Selections Competition and it's a free trip for those 24 people to come out and participate if the application is selected but overall when we select those 16 program participants for the year from the 24 semifinalists uh, they're granted a mentorship opportunity where we pair them with a hand-picked industry leader in their specific area of interest for a nine-month period they're granted a two thousand dollar budget to put towards the goals of their objectives of what they want to achieve in the roadmap, whether that's seeing their mentor, different events, workshops, or some training that they want to participate in, and as well as just those peer opportunities as well, where we get them together as a group for training um, and try and give them some industry exposure and networking opportunities to help advance their careers as well. And the application deadline is coming up quite quickly, so I want you to talk about uh, about that and how someone applies. And I guess it's also important to remember that this is just one installment of the program, and we can assume that it's going to continue on afterwards. Yes, so the application deadline is quickly approaching. It's March 31st. Uh, and you can go to our website at canadiancattleyoungleaders.ca to find the application form to submit. And one of the things I'd emphasize is that while we see many young beef producers come through the program, uh, it's open to young people involved in all areas of the beef supply chain that have a passion and, and want to grow their careers in this space, whether that's students, veterinarians, financial advisors, etc. So really room for all in this program, and we're excited to see uh, this next crop of of excited, enthusiastic people ready to get their head start in the beef industry. Any final thoughts that you would like to uh, leave with us today, Jessica? I think what's been really exciting watching this program over the years is how strong of a next generation is in the Canadian beef industry. And as we look to secure a future, um, you know, what are we doing as an industry to help those young leaders along to secure their positions and, and give them a helping hand? So I think it's really incredible to see the industry, the sponsors, uh, mentors, participants working together for this future growth. And um, can't wait to see what next year has in store. Thanks, Jessica. Jessica is the Youth Leadership Coordinator for the Canadian Cattle Association, and we've been talking about the next round of applications closing quite quickly for the Canadian Cattle Young Leaders Program. 
And here are the top agriculture stories from the week of March 20, 2023. Agriculture Canada released a report on its fertilizer target emission reduction goals called What We Heard. It discussed the over 2,000 submissions that were received between March and October through the internet workshops and town hall meetings. As a result of the consultations, a fertilizer working group has been formed with the goal to look at ways to reduce emissions from fertilizers and program funding to adopt beneficial management practices and the tracking of emissions. The president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, Keith Curry, said the report acknowledged producers' profitability and reflects the need to consider emission reduction strategies in the context of environmental, economic and social sustainability. The public consultation continues. Canadians are invited to share their thoughts until March 31st. CP has been given the green light in its takeover of Kansas City Southern Railway. The $31 billion purchase will create the first single rail line connecting Canada, the U.S. and Mexico, covering nearly 33,000 kilometres of track. The merged railway will be known as Canadian Pacific Kansas City, with CP's chief executive, Keith Creel, as CEO, and Calgary as the global headquarters. The decision allows CP to exercise control of KCS as early as April 14th. There will be more seats for British Columbia students at the Vet College in Saskatchewan. The B.C. government is permanently doubling the number of subsidized seats at the University of Saskatchewan from 20 to 40. The initial investment is for $21.8 million over three years. Vet College Dean Dr. Jillian Muir says it's an important step towards addressing the shortage of veterinary professionals in B.C. and across Western Canada. In September, Saskatchewan and Manitoba increased funding, allowing each province to boost its student seat quota by five. Saskatchewan now has 25 seats in the college's first-year class, while Manitoba has 20 students. Egg Farmers of Canada marked its 50th anniversary with a commitment to achieve net-zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. Chair Roger Pellicero said this is the next step in the egg farming industry's sustainability journal, journey. He says Canadian egg farmers have a long-standing track record of supporting sustainable initiatives and programs, including investing in science-based research, farm-level decision-making tools, and environmental technologies, allowing farmers to produce more eggs while using fewer resources. United Farmers of Alberta said it will be expanding again in Saskatchewan with two new locations. It has also just recently opened doors in Weyburn and Yorkton. The sites are part of the expansion of UFA's petroleum business in central and eastern Saskatchewan. UFA also announced a historic patronage dividend of $28 million back to its membership, $2.4 billion in financial revenues, and $157 million in earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. CN Rail reached a tentative contract with the union representing mechanics, intermodal and clerical workers. CN and Unifor announced four new collective agreements covering 3,000 railway employees who had voted earlier this month in favour of strike action. The employees were in a position to strike as early as next Tuesday if 72 hours notice had been given. Details of the tentative agreement will not be released until ratification votes are held and no word on when that might occur.
Agriculture in the Classroom rolled out its new digital agriculture awareness campaign. Acting Executive Director Sarah Shimko said helping students discover their passion for agriculture empowers them to explore career paths in the industry and the use of technology and digital platforms is critical for the outreach. The federal government will be providing roughly $953,000 over two years through the Agri-Communication Program. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.